Character Creation Rules. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. Today, we're going to talk about rules that may come into play when the party is rolling up their characters. All right, there are so many ways to roll up a character. I could probably go on for hours about all the different methods that you can use, but I think we should really keep it to the basics. Rolling, point by, standard array, and then a couple of other strange options. First, what are the standards, though? What is it, when you open up the PHB, what does it say you should do? In the PHB, it gives you the, those options. Point by, standard array, or roll for your characters. Okay, so what are the positives and drawbacks of each? With rolling for your characters, I mean, whenever somebody plays D&D for the first time, I feel like they always want to roll their stats. And I think that's always that's a good experience for a new player. If you're bringing people into D&D for the first time and they really they want to create their character, rolling for stats is fun. And it's a good way for them to get into the character creation process. For like long-term games, I prefer using standard array or point by because it's far more balanced. With rolling for stats, you're going to have characters with really high ability scores. You might have some characters in your party with really low ability scores, and that's not fun. I had a character with a four in a stat. <laughs> yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not fun having a character with weak ability scores when someone else in the party has three 18s. Oh, and right. his highest that was an 11. Yeah. Great. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, they should have stayed on the farm. But some good methods, if you want to go rolling for characters, what the, the original method was roll down the line, 3d6, and record the number. And that's it. Original method as in what? First edition. Oh, yeah. zero, zeroth edition. Yeah. But the way that they had the ability scores lined up uh, is different from how they do it today. I think it was like strength, intelligence, dexterity, wisdom, charisma. I don't So you would get your scores first and then you would make a character that was like, oh, I got a lot of strength. So yeah. I'm being a strength man. A fighter. Or yeah. If yeah. you got... A good strength and a good charisma, then maybe you could be a paladin. I think you had a high constitution too. Everyone wanted to be a paladin because they had way more powers than Mm -hmm. anybody else. I played the game where one of the players was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it this way. He rolled down the line and he had one high stat. He was like a 17. (laughs) And then his next highest was a 12. And everything else was below 10. And he was like, I'm making a champion fighter, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the kind of game that you want to play that's it can be fun he rolled with it the rp was great but I, that was it, he rolled with it yeah but otherwise it usually doesn't end well if you want to have a better chance at getting higher ability scores then you want to do some people do roll uh, 3d uh, i'm sorry 4d6 drop the lowest and then sometimes people will go roll 4d6 drop the lowest re-roll ones and twos yeah, and that's how you end up with Mary Sue type characters who are all 15 or above. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good for one shots, bringing in new players. If you want to have a serious long term game, go with standard array or point by. I don't like to go with the standard array. I think the ability scores are a little too low. Right. I like to give my. But we use D&D Beyond and it, they don't let you customize your point by. 
yet. So I do a modified standard array and then give the players bonus points to put in on top of their racial. Right. And then a feat. Yeah, I prefer point by because it feels like that you can really specialize. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea because if you look at the standard array, you got one high one and then one medium media and like a couple that are medium but they're close together and then you got a couple that are low and they're close together i like having two high stats and then two medium stats or maybe one like medium high and i definitely want to have two low stats because it's like those are good those are rp gold <laughs> yeah but having two equally high stats is something that you can't get with a standard array but it really because most classes lean on two stats at least yeah it's hard to play those classes with a regular standard array yeah you don't feel heroic that's the that's the thing having high ability scores allows your character to feel heroic yeah if they did a point buy in a customized point buy in D D beyond i would do a like a 31 or 32 point buy and then i think it's standard is 27 having new characters roll their stats as a first timer may also be a way to prevent munchkins people who are all about min maxing from showing up yeah another thing that it does is if you're playing with new players who've never played by having them roll their stats in order which is the biggest thing it forces them to not play this character they had in their head i want to be batman right i want to be because that character is not physically possible based on the mechanics of D D. And if they're, if that's what they have in their head that I want to play this character and they sit down, they're trying to make that happen and it doesn't work, they're going to get frustrated. But if it, from go, they can't, then it opens up the possibility of, mate, let's see who I am. Let's explore the character. Yeah. It doesn't work so well when you got like experienced players because they're like, I played this character already. Yeah. I want, that's not the one I want. But if you also have experienced characters, if someone has munchkin tendencies or not. Yeah, and I just want to point out, you don't have to roll down the line to either. You can just have them roll a pool ability scores and put them where they want. Rolling down the line does the benefit of it. Helps it, you figure out what the char- who the character is. Yeah, it prevents someone from deciding that they're going to play a class. Like, Because you roll down the line and you're like, my character's got high charisma and high intelligence and, and high constitution but I wanted to play a ranger. I can't now. But if they can just rule a pool, then they're going to put those high ones in their ranger spot because they want to play dritz. Yeah. And then... Which can be allowed, but they're going to be playing very flawed dritz. Yeah. But if they have this idea, I want to play dritz, and they're sitting at the table and they're a level one ranger, they're not playing dritz. They don't even have <laughs> They don't even have pets yet. Yeah. Like, they're going to sit there and be frustrated for the first three levels if they're not powerful. I want to bring awareness to one really cool method of rolling up characters that I've always wanted to do, but I've never had the opportunity. And it's called the ability score matrix, I think is what it's called. You either have six players or five players in the DM, or you have all the players roll six scores and then the DM rolls the rest. You get six rolls, right? Six sets of ability scores. And you put them in six by six square. and then. The players like roll initiative and whoever gets the highest number goes and picks their ability scores from that block first and then they go around. But you, the way that you pick them is you take them down the line, but you can choose them from left to right, diagonally, 
one way or the other, and you could take the ability scores in any direction, but nobody can take the same line of ability oh. scores. See, I was thinking that it would almost be like a Final Fantasy draft where it's, yeah, I want the 18. <laughs> you could do it that way where it's like, all right, you get to go first. I, I pick this 18. Yeah, but then everyone's just going to take all the 18s. Right? They go down the line of yeah. picking like just, it just goes like that. If it's down the stats, then if it comes to decks, you might not want the 18 in decks. Yeah. And another way to do it is to look at it and have the players negotiate of, I want, I... You can't have one guy come in and with four 18s because then his whole, the rest of his party is sitting there with dump stats. And like, if you end up, so they're all sitting there arguing and negotiating of who gets the 18 and who gets the 15 oh, and who no. gets the eight. You've turned Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons into Monopoly. It's another way to do it. The, or they can negotiate where this, like you, you have six sets of, or however many players worth of stats. Well, you would have six sets of ability scores, but each line could be taken either way. And then you could also go vertically, diagonally, horizontally. Okay. So it's not all stats, though. There are other options to pull from when you are building a character. When do you allow your players to bring homebrew classes into the game? I don't really have a lot of demand for people playing homebrew stuff in my games. Sometimes someone might come to me and say they want to play something, and I'll make it up for them. I'll homebrew something to help them make it happen. Yeah. I One of the challenges with homebrew is some of the stuff i've read where it just there the player who plays it will be so imbalanced with the rest of the party there's some homebrew out there where it's level one the guy the character kills five monsters in a turn or has an ability where he's exploding stuff and it's just is that really like a good character design and they're like but i really want to play this game i tend to steer away from Unless there's an explicit need for it, and there almost never is, because the classes that are present in the game have so much flexibility. Yeah, there's so much flexibility. Like almost any character in a story in history, you can make a rogue of that rogue. character. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a rogue, but like you could make a PC based on the existing class. You could reflavor the stuff to make it work, but like. You can, there's almost no actual need to homebrew. Okay, so restrictions on non-homebrew. Sometimes, depending on your setting, you might want to restrict races, or maybe you're not familiar with a new particular book that came out and you don't want players using that option. That's up to you. I hate restrictions. I don't... I like weird stuff. I don't... I usually don't say no to anything. Yeah, there... I think that... It, if there are narrative reasons for a restriction, it can be there, but... There's always ways around that, I think. And yeah. You can always uh, tell a story. There's places to carve out, either reflavor a class or a, so it fits, or have it be like, you're the only one. And then narrative-wise, why are you the only one? There's really two ways to go with this. It's either you allow everything or you're restrictive. That's, and well, I feel like there aren't, I don't know, that's a... Two different camps, and we I'm are, on the camp that everything's okay. We right. are not Sith. <laughs> right. But like, there was one game I was playing where the DM was like, I'm tired of elves. Nobody's allowed to play an elf. <laughs> Everyone plays elves. I hate elves. <laughs> I hate elves, too. There's just so many of them, but I yeah. wouldn't say that you can't play an elf. But fundamentally, you want to ask yourself, you want to ask the player, like, 
First, if you are restricting something, why are you restricting it? What is the purpose? If it's just because you hate it, that's rude. If there's a reason for it, talk to the player. Like This is why I want to do it. And then talk to the player about why they want that. Maybe they want it for just some mechanical benefit and be like, all right, well, I'll take that mechanical benefit and tack it on this other race or class or whatever. Right. But if you talk to the player about why this restriction is placed and why the player wants to play it, like you can get around it and still have your restriction if you really want it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I never really understood why DMs wouldn't won't allow certain races, because really you can reflavor anything to be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Within reason. I think there's a challenge for some DMs and some players on the idea of reflavoring. One, some might not feel like they some may not understand how. And it's okay because not everyone has the creative juices flowing where like ideas just come in and they can spin out an alternative. Some people are, it's just so much mentally easier for them to say, this is what it is and this is what it is. And they're devoting their mind to something else. So I get that not everyone can reflavor stuff. But those of you that can, it's an do, option. Do it's a great option. Although mechanically, I've mentioned min-maxers before. Nine times out of ten, the variant human class is the optimal race to build for just about any build because you get those feats early and you get the ability, the selective ability score increase. Yeah, the selective ability score increase they've now gotten rid of because the. Basically, every race is put yeah. to two points where you want them. It's going to be interesting to see what human is going to look like in 2024. Right. I don't think it's going to be plus one, a feat and a skill and a language. I don't like the variant human purely because people went to it just for the feat. And I like Joey does is he's like, you get a feat anyways. So if you're getting a feat anyways, don't go variant human. You're getting a feat. Although, but you can have two feats. You know, I, two yeah, feats. I, I think you do the two feats. Yeah, yeah. I used to say no two feats, but then uh, just, it just was like, yeah. whatever. I personally am like... Because the races now are really powerful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, the races have so much going for them. And I think they're leaning on the fact that in older editions, you're... Well, not older editions. In, in like fourth edition, your character's race is something that made a difference the whole game. Like, it wasn't just, like, something that mattered at first level. And I think in f three or in two, like, after first level, your race had almost nothing to do with anything other than, like, XP differences. In what, second edition, it was XP differences by your class. Your races gave you some interesting things, like dwarves could tell if they were walking on an incline, and they had some kind of magic resistance, and so did halflings, and they both had some kind of low light vision, infravision, I think they called it. Yeah, wasn't, some weird things. Wasn't there one where it was there like was only stuff. certain races could be certain classes? Yeah, or that, like, that was another thing. But we've stepped away from that. But I think they're trying to get back into where your race matters beyond yeah. first level. Because yeah. basically, in fifth edition, it doesn't. Your racial abilities. You use them at first level, use them at second level. After about third or fourth level, or I got so many other things that are better. I almost never am going to use my dragon's breath or yeah. this other thing that I can do. Although the Aerocroca yeah. flight is yeah. always useful. That was a, a well, common restriction. And it's that was nerfed in uh, the new book, Morden Kanan's Multiverse, Monsters of the Multiverse. They only have 30 feet now, oh. but they walk 30 feet now, too. Yeah. Okay. But still being 30 feet up is still 25 feet out of reach. And that's a thing. Like, there, that was a very common like race restriction in yeah you know, wizards of the coast encounters the not the adventures league 
It was very common in a lot of home games. Anything with flight at level one or two, like they were just like, no. But realistically, you know, thing abilities like that, like flight, yeah, they give that one player a way of doing something that no other characters can do. But it's not going to break the game. No. I think the biggest thing for Adventures League was they didn't want one player to do that. They did. They wanted everyone to be balanced. So they're like, one player can't do something no other player can do. But a lot of people looked at it as like, like you said, he's out of reach. You got to just remember that a flight is really dangerous, especially at low levels. If anything reduces that character's movement speed to zero or knocks them prone, they hit the ground. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 50-foot drop can kill almost every level one. Yep. Period. And level two. Period. One thing that I, going back to a previous topic, if you're, one thing that I think is really good for new players, give them pre-gens. Yep. Let them choose. Yeah. That's yeah. always a good option for new Here, players. Here's some, here's five choices. Pick one. Yeah. Pick your favorite. One of them is not Drist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. None of them are Drist. Yeah. You can play as Panther. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was another one demystified. Holla! Yay! This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.